I'm Rick Beckemeyer, and I have a practice in Niles. And um, I've been practicing there uh, for uh, a little bit uh, since uh, 1995. Um, and I'm just uh, going to go by this right here because this uh, gives me about 35 minutes. And then we'll get into uh, how to make those pictures, uh, exactly how uh, we did there. <laughs> so in 1998, I actually received an award uh, from the Dental Hygiene Association for patient education. I was a dental technician first, and then I was a dental hygienist, and then I went back to school again for my dental degree, and I graduated in 1995. So. Uh, the, the patient education award was actually uh, because I was very passionate about my patients. I wanted them to uh, really know uh, what uh, kind of condition their mouths were in. And I thought it was uh, actually uh, in, uh, essential in order to be able to have the best treatment outcome. If you don't know where you are, you don't know where you can go. And so you have to be able to measure uh, where you are. And so I would sit down with this flip uh, chart, uh, and this was back in 1988, okay? And I, would, uh, I had this flip chart, and I would pull out uh, my digital presentation, and I would use my power pointer, and I would point to the different conditions in the patient's mouth. And I would keep on saying, okay, this is your condition right here, and they seemed to get the point, go figure. You know, we've come a long way now. It's just a lot easier to go ahead and use digital information. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So I finished uh, dental school uh, at Indiana University in uh, 1995. And um, I, I think it's uh, a lot of times if you think back on your dental uh, career, you're probably thinking that you just kind of breeze through it. I didn't. Uh, I have a lot of memories. And I just uh, depended on the grace of God in order to be able to get uh, through not only financially, but also physically and mentally. Because not only um, was uh, I going through school, but my children, my three children at that, at that time were going to grade school. And so we ended up having to uh, take an, uh, about an hour trip in order to be able to get everybody where they needed to for the day. And then uh, the finances, Back then, they were bad. Uh, they're even worse now. And so and I came across this particular text. And I think it's so appropriate for people going through dental school or medical school. In Psalms uh, 40, verse 5, may, O Lord, my God, you are, um, are your wondrous works, which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted uh, to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Each and every single day, it was amazing that there were miracles that I could vis uh, visibly see. I can remember uh, a icy road, and I, uh, we had a conversation at uh, lunchtime about uh, the icy roads. And in Indiana, uh, they get a little bit of snow, in the, uh, but they get more ice a lot of times. And so we were going down the road to Cicero um, uh, Church School, and my son, and the other children were in the car, and we had the small little car. And we came up over the top of this hill, and we hit some ice. And we actually went into this ravine that was about 15 feet deep, and we flipped over. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, God protected us. No, uh, not, uh, we were shaken up. 
and the back window was broken, and so we unbuckled our seat belts. Thank, uh, thankfully, we were uh, all buckled in, and we uh, came uh, through the back door, and we, uh, we got out. Miracle after miracle brought us through, and we need to go ahead and refresh our memories sometimes about the miracles that God actually uh, is uh, giving us. When I finished uh, dental school, I started working in, uh, I moved back to the house that we uh, had uh, built actually in 1980, moved back to that uh, particular house, and I started to drive one hour to work uh, up in South Haven. And uh, it was a nice ride and uh, kind of pleasant, but uh, when I heard about a practice that was for sale in Niles, Michigan, I was very excited because that practice was four minutes away as opposed to an hour. And so I pursued purchasing that practice and that happened in 1986. That dentist, that particular dentist was going to work with me for one year. He came back from a five week vacation and he said, I'm done, it's all yours, you take it away. And I still remember kind of feeling back behind my ears and they were wet, you know, I was still wet behind the ears. I learned a lot in that first year. Some of the three principles that I uh, um, learned or foundations for my practice was the real reason for having a dental practice, okay? The real reason for having a, a dental practice is I feel that it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle go, to go ahead and spread the gospel. And, if it, uh, and it needs to only, for me, it only needs to um, be that vehicle. And um, it should not be anything else but that. And if I'm using it for anything else, if I'm using it for uh, prestige, glory, uh, uh, any self-grandizing, uh, I, I shouldn't be doing dentistry. So that was the first thing that I learned. And in, um, boy, um, the morning uh, worship was terrific today because he emphasized 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled unto uh, God. So my true profession is really an, an ambassador for God. I'm just using dentistry as the vehicle in order to be able to do that. And we see a lot of people. Uh, and, uh, so um, the third thing that I uh, learned is that uh, people like to know the reason why. Okay? They come in with a particular crisis and they want to know why. Why did I end up in this uh, particular situation? Why am I hurting? Why do I have an infection? And uh, they want to know if um, what I'm going to do them is going to hurt them more and give them more pain than what they're in right now, okay? So patient education is a key in order to be able to help these people. So I'm a visual learner and I like to uh, uh, show a lot of pictures and so that's uh, digital imaging is actually uh, just a, a good way uh, in order to be able to do that. So uh, what is Digidad? Have you ever heard about that before? No. Nobody's ever heard about that? That's good because my wife made it up. <laughs> And uh, it's uh, very appropriate. And what it is, is the conjunction of data. 
So DI is the digital information that we might have in our uh, offices. The GI is the God information. So that could be the uh, nature. Uh, that could be the Bible. And most certainly, it's us. Okay? Uh, it comes down to my attitude and what my attitude uh, towards using that vehicle of dentistry in order to be able to spread the gospel. Do I show caring? Do I show concern? Do I show compassion to the patients that come in, uh, to my office? And these, uh, a lot of times we get some uh, uh, real winners. And you remember the 2%, uh, you know, the patients. And I bet you if I asked you, you could remember uh, one of those patients that were in the 2%, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so even to those individuals, do we show caring, compassion, and concern? And that's um, not really mine to give out. It's actually the Holy Spirit that comes into me. And then I go ahead and diffuse those blessings uh, to other people. Can they see uh, Jesus through me? Through the seen, uh, can they see the unseen? Through the digital information, can they see God? Because we can go ahead and have all the bells and whistles, but it's just like clanging brass. And it doesn't mean a single thing if they can't see the love. And it's hard to go ahead and show love when uh, you're trying to forcefully uh, do a particular treatment. So um, through the digital information versus the God information, the seen versus the, uh, the unseen. So each patient that comes in to my office, I consider them as a, cool. Um, That's the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see uh, them as an opportunity to spread the gospel. And what they're doing is they're actually taking a course, an ABC course. They have attitudes. They're seeing my attitudes. They're seeing my beliefs. And hopefully then they see the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, to know that God is love. And as Christ as I, if, am I actually functioning well as an, an ambassador for Christ? <laughs> it's about a clean heart and a right spirit. Dentistry is unseen through the seen, God information through digital information. So moment by moment, we communicate with God. It, it's not a, uh, a fill up in, uh, at the beginning of the day and my gas tank is full and I'm all set for the rest of the day. It's a moment by moment uh, type of communication with God. God, do, what do I, how do I communicate with this patient? Do I pray uh, for this situation? Do I offer them this uh, particular uh, information? It's the relationship between the eye and the heart. And if we look back at Adam and Eve and their original perfection, all created things were the expression of the thought of God. To Adam and Eve and their Eden home, nature was full of the knowledge of God, teeming with divine instruction. Wisdom spoke to the eye and it was received into the heart, for they communed with God and his created works. The seen versus the unseen, the digital information versus uh, the God information. In Matthew 
this is really kind of a key uh, situation because when we read in Matthew, when we read in Matthew and we consider our practices and what we're, uh, we're doing, you know, this really kind of scared me, okay? Because I could be doing all the right things for the wrong reasons. And in Matthew 7, uh, verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wondrous works? And so Dr. Goodacre asked the question, <clears throat> Uh, the former uh, dean of the, uh, Loma Linda, is there a difference between the dental office, between a sacred dental office or a secular dental office? Is there a difference? Because here in uh, Matthew 7, it says, let's see, uh, we've done all of these things in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So all those pro bono cases that I did, don't they count for something? Yeah? Or how about that, uh, that person um, that last weekend, okay, called me up in church, okay, I was sitting in church, and I, I went out uh, to the foyer and uh, I, I said, uh, yes, can I help you? Is this Dr. Beckmeyer? I says, yes, it is. She said, I put a pair of vampire teeth on and I can't get them off. It's been 17 hours and I don't know what to do. Nobody else will go ahead and answer their uh, cell phones. How about that case? Doesn't that count? That could actually be lawlessness. That one's a good one, and I bet you the angels initially were kind of smiling just a little bit. Do you really want to be a vampire for the rest of your life? And she, at first she thought it was funny, but then after 17 hours of trying to soak uh, hot water in her mouth in order to be able to get this out and pull and pull and pull, and thinking that she was going to pull her teeth out, and then after working on her for uh, about a half an hour to 45 minutes in order to be able to loosen this, uh, these teeth up from around her teeth and then finally getting them off, do you, uh, do you know what she did? She cried because she thought that she was going to be bound in that situation for the rest of her life. And she didn't have any way to go ahead and get out of that. Yeah, it's even for these situations, but... The, uh, the true vehicle of dentistry is being an, an ambassador for Christ. You know, I didn't charge her for that because she had suffered, you know. She had suffered, and it's sometimes we don't need money, you know, in order to be able to go ahead and do God's will because God sustains us, and we know that all things work together for good. The difference between the sacred dental office and uh, the secular dental office is the focus. The sacred dental office is using dentistry as a vehicle in order to be able to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. The secular dental office 
is using it for respect in the community. It's using it for money. It's using it for fame. It's uh, using it for worldly possessions as much as good as they can do. Excuse me. <clears throat> but the focus for their office is different. The focus for their office is different. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, sorry, audio verse. <clears throat> uh, the difference is faith. And this is so interesting because um, when you look at this, when you look at faith, a couple of verses come to mind. The just shall live by faith. Or the other one that comes uh, to mind that helps us to understand uh, what this is is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Does that help you understand what faith is? I asked a general chemistry class at Andrews University, what is faith? I've also asked other people, other individuals, in order to be able to uh, gain a truer understanding, and it's in the verse. Okay, so we, if we pick apart the verse, and we say, okay, the faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so what I asked them, I said, what are you hoping for? And they said, what I'm hoping for is to good, do good on this next exam. I have to do good on this next exam. And I need to get good grades in order to be able to go ahead and take the next step. I need to have a good job. I need to have a good car in order to be able to get to that uh, good job. I need to have all of these things, but what we're really hoping for, what we're really hoping for, and what um, Jesus is hoping for is fruit, to put fruit on our table. Does that make sense? Faith is the fruit that the Holy Spirit comes in and changes us. And in Galatians uh, 5, Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when you're a, a, a dental patient and coming into a dental office, do you want to see that kind of a dentist? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to see that kind of uh, uh, um, dentist. Dental fear stems from the unknown or the unseen. We don't know what is going to happen. And in fact, in 1 John 4.18, it says, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. People come in with dental uh, pain, they're in torment. Sometimes it's acute pain that's uh, just ha happened recently. Other times it's pain that they've had for several months and now it's just, man, it's right before Thanksgiving and I need to uh, go ahead and have this uh, taken care of so I can have uh, you have the uh, uh, turkey dinner. So the patient uh, asks, uh, and it stems, uh, stems from the unknown. The patient asks, what's hurting me? Are you going to hurt me more? Because the last dentist, you know what he did. You know what he did. So um, what we need to do is have the golden rule, but we have to go further 
than the golden rule. The golden rule uh, says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But I think we need to go farther. We need to say, do unto others as Christ would to do, uh, do unto them. Because sometimes I have a vengeful spirit. And sometimes I say, it serves you right for the condition you're in. Hey, you went ahead and made your bed. You go ahead and sleep in it. Go ahead and go ahead, have this dental fear, and maybe then you'll learn. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He heals us. He heals us. And then he gives us a relationship with the person that can truly change us and change our habits. So to treat them as Christ would treat them, we need to appreciate the procedures that maximize the digit data, making the unseen seen, or in another way, the God information seen through the digital information. So the information that I use in my dental office, we've gone through 15, 20 minutes of uh, just leading up to this. This is what I use in my dental office in, on a daily basis. I use a, an, an occlusal bite analysis. I use interoral imaging. I use digital x-rays. And I use patient presentations. The occlusal uh, bite analysis uses uh, technology from TechScan out of New York. And I've used this. Uh, quite a bit. When you articulate uh, somebody's mouth together and you have articulating paper and uh, you have all these little tiny blue dots uh, on uh, inside their mouth. So let me ask you this. From those little blue dots, can you tell bite forces on the particular teeth? No. You can't. No, you can't. Can you tell if there's a left or a right side imbalance from those little blue dots? No, you can't. Can uh, you tell the duration of the forces on those particular teeth? You can't do that either. Can you tell if there's pressure points? If this blue dot is hitting harder than this blue dot over here, you can't do that either. So I use the uh, occlusal bite analysis. I use interoral pictures in order to be able to chronicle pre-prep uh, and post-prep and also other uh, information. Um, I use digital x-rays. Uh, the uh, MyRay X-Pod, I use that on mission trips. Uh, I use the Rebec uh, Nomad. And I, I use in my office the Promax uh, 3DS in order to be able to take my bite wing x-rays and panorexes. And I'll be showing you that as well. So uh, digital x-rays. Uh, a lot of, actually, let's see. Last year, Dr. Wendell Lawrence asked me if I would talk about digital x-rays. And his research uh, in the United States uh, dentists, only 45% of the dentists are using digital x-rays. How many people are using digital, digital x-rays? Just about everybody. Good. OK, super. So I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, and. Uh, this has uh, been my experience um, with uh, digital x-rays. Um, some people say that it's uh, over in New Zealand. Uh, there's 55% of the dentists are not using digital x-rays. Okay? And I'm not here to go ahead and 
you try and convince anybody about digital x-rays, it just works better for me. I can blow them up. I can go ahead and show a particular spot. I can uh, draw circles around it. And uh, when I first started out, uh, I had a hard time uh, sh showing the two by two square film x-ray to patients and actually having them see uh, uh, what the issue was. So um, it takes uh, uh, PAs, it uh, takes uh, panos, and opens up the interproximal uh, contacts. And that's been uh, one of the problems I have seen in uh, panos, not being able to be diagnostic as far as interproximal decay, is uh, that we cannot open up uh, the interproximal uh, the interproximal, let me see if I can, we can't uh, open up the interproximal uh, spaces in order to be able to tell if there's any, uh, any decay there. But when I was taking film uh, or uh, just the sensors inside the, uh, the patient's mouth, we still had issues as far as positioning and sometimes we had to go ahead and repeat it. But on this particular pan, the only spot that isn't opened up is uh, right here. And this pan looks pretty diagnostic to me. These are some of the other pans. Uh, and uh, be, uh, just because it's going through here, if you wanted to go ahead and look at the uh, pans uh, on the, uh, the other, uh, once we uh, get finished, you can. We have a few overlaps right here, but we can. Uh, everything else looks very, very diagnostic as far as interproximals. And when we send these X-rays in, this is actually for bite wings. But you get a whole lot more information than for bite wings. So uh, the uh, the new Promax. 3D is actually has an articulating arm, and what it does, it actually goes around and it marries the uh, the pictures from one tooth to another, and it actually fills in all of those spots that only an articulating arm can do. So we can see the decay over here in a, a filling that isn't uh, quite right. So. Uh, those are the digital x-rays. Then I use a patient presentation. I compile all the data together. I put a interoral picture on uh, the patient presentation page, and then I uh, go ahead and put the x-ray there as well. That way, then, even a, a non-clinical uh, person, a person that does not uh, understand dentistry, can look at this, and they can say, yeah, I know what the problem is. I can see uh, where that uh, can be. And then we take it back to, uh, on the tablet, uh, um, on the tablet uh, uh, computer, and, uh, and we can actually have them sign off on a financial agreement in order to be able to uh, ha uh, go ahead with the treatment. We give them tr the treatment options. They page through uh, the, the different options, and th they say, OK, this is going to be this amount, and this is going to be this amount. I agree to this particular treatment, and they sign it right there on the tablet uh, before uh, we go any farther, before we uh, start anything. So just uh, want to uh, put all of this information together uh, in a case and uh, say, okay, uh, this uh, patient came in and he was having dental pain 
And uh, guess where? Can you see from this particular scan any pro uh, particular uh, problem areas? Yeah, exactly. And so let's see if that actually correlates with a clinical picture. Okay, let's see if that correlates. So uh, we have a spot here on the mesial, a spot on the distal, and a spot on the buccal. Let's look at the, uh, the interaural picture. Here's the buccal. Here's a crack on the, the lingual here and here. And uh, when we went ahead and started prepping this tooth, this is what we found underneath. There was recurrent decay up underneath. Do you see the additional cracks? One here, here, and here. There's actually a faint crack right over here. Any longer, this patient probably would have had to have this uh, tooth removed because the split was actually going through the tooth. We put a crown on this tooth. This patient is very, very happy with the procedure. Uh, we did it in uh, one day. We have a, a, a CAD CAM machine, and uh, we put the, uh, the crown on the, uh, here. The patient no longer has any pain with this particular tooth. Praise God. This is the digital x-ray. I felt confident in moving forward uh, with the crown on this particular tooth. And uh, I didn't see any uh, periapical uh, radiolucency, so I felt uh, very com uh, confident with going ahead with the uh, particular treatment. The second case study, uh, you can see that over here on number 15, there's a problem. Let's see if there's a correlation again from the bite analysis from TechScan. And, and no, I don't work for TechScan. It's just what I use. Um, but let's see if there's a correlation. Sure enough, the amalgam is, uh, is cracked. I should use this nifty pen. Isn't that cool? Uh, so there's a crack in the amalgam. This is more than just an anatomical crack. It goes all the way down here. When we opened this up and started prepping this tooth for a crown for potential restoration, what we found was that this crack actually went all the way through the tooth. It became non-restorable. This is uh, showing a little bit farther the, uh, how the crack went down uh, into the tooth. And this tooth is already starting to have a little bit of separation of the PDL and uh, uh, apical radiolucency. The last one is pretty obvious. Patient came in uh, with pain. He says, I have problems biting down. He, uh, of course, he had, uh, huh, go figure. Uh, and so uh, we took an x-ray of this tooth, and this definitely had to uh, be taken care of. Why? Because this person was scheduled for hip surgery the next week, OK? But you know what the problems are? If he was in for, uh, he was in for hip surgery, you know what they had him on? They had him on blood thinners. So we went ahead and proceeded with the extraction of this particular tooth. And we packed it, and we sutured it, and we put all of this kind of stuff on it. And uh, blood and blood and blood. Uh, and he called me up at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning with a big, huge clot in his mouth of blood. Uh, we had a lot of praying. We did a lot of praying. He ended up uh, back in the hospital. They ended up uh, giving him platelets. 
uh, to go ahead and build back his uh, blood again, and they uh, went ahead and finally, finally, uh, got his blood uh, to thick enough to, in order to be able to have a blood clot there and get it stopped. He had his hip surgeries, didn't have any problem with that. But, you know, sometimes we just have a lot of prayer and we have to depend on God's healing. Um, and our professional brothers, uh, in order to be able to help us out uh, uh, with uh, the additional treatment. So how did uh, wish, uh, witness uh, in the field and in the practice? I use uh, the, the Nomad on uh, dental trips uh, in order to be able to have x-rays. How important are x-rays on mission trips? Uh, very important. <laughs> to me, uh, they're very important. Because uh, more often than not, um, patients that don't speak my language will use their digital uh, PowerPoint presentation and show me which tooth they're hurting, right? Okay, so they point to a particular tooth and they say, this is the one I want to have taken out. Well, you ever uh, look at a tooth and you wonder, hmm, what's wrong with this tooth? You know, I don't see anything wrong with it. So <clears throat> we, uh, had two, uh, this is uh, just from three weeks ago, we went over to Africa, uh, Kenya, Africa, and just had a wonderful uh, uh, time. Spent 12 days over there, and uh, we worked, uh, these two girls are twins, if you can't tell. Uh, they have both the same color face masks on, that's how you can go ahead and tell them apart. But <clears throat> they go ahead and uh, position uh, the x-ray right here, one holds the uh, the sensor inside the mouth, the other one takes the x-ray, and this is all of our dental setup here. And then we show uh, the, the, the results from the, uh, the x-ray to the, the local dentists. We had two, uh, two um, local dentists. They were both extracting teeth. Do you know what his name was? If you wanted to have somebody extract your tooth and it was a biblical person, who would you want to have pull your tooth? Samson. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what his name was. <laughs> Samson. Do you know what his wife's name was? Penny. <laughs> so, but uh, they were just wonderful on the trip and uh, it, we were down in the, uh, the Mara and uh, some of the cases, uh, boy, I'm not sure down in Central America, but sometimes the density of the bone is like putting your elevator into uh, some cement, uh, and there is no budge, and the only, the only option is to have a surgical removal. After the crown has broken off, after uh, you've gotten down to the first level of bone, and that uh, patient is still sitting there uh, very calmly. Uh, they don't have any problem with you working on their teeth. Uh, they just uh, want to go ahead and get that uh, tooth taken out. You have to take it out surgically. So uh, in some of the situations, that what, that's what we did. We went ahead and sectioned the teeth and took them out in pieces. And you know what? You know, sometimes those, those roots will go ahead and break off halfway down and two-thirds the way down. And then 45 minutes later, you'll get the root tip out. But that's excellent dentistry, getting the whole tooth out, you know? But what does it, what does it profit 
somebody to go ahead and just do half of the dentistry. You need to do all of the dentistry. You need to do excellent dentistry. We would never get away with leaving a root tip over here in the States. Why leave it over there? And I remember not having the x-ray and not having a handpiece and working on the sergeant of the police department over in the Dominican Republic. And after an hour and a half, finally getting the root tip out, and I was sweating and I'm sweating and sweating. But I, uh, not at that time. The first seven years of going over to Dominican Republic did not have a nomad, did not have a handpiece. That's when it's, uh, God influenced me and said, why don't you get these advancements here? Now, <clears throat> through all the uh, different mission trips uh, and, and locations that I have gone to, uh, lead me to see the beauty of God's creation wherever I go. It's very, very interesting. It doesn't matter where you are, you can see the beauty of God's creation. Even though sin uh, mars the surface of the earth, there will still be something of God's creation that can go ahead and point to him. God's love still speaks through nature and it draws people in, into nature. In these lessons direct from nature, there is a simplicity and purity that makes them of the highest value. All need the teaching to be derived from this source. In itself, the beauty of nature <coughs> leads the soul away from sin and worldly attractions towards purity, peace, and God. High dynamic range images do exactly that and what they are doing is actually drawing individuals into a relationship with God. God made flowers just for our pleasure. For no other reason do they function. I don't see many animals out in the wild, maybe deers or something like that, will go ahead and use them for food. But you know what? It draws people in. When you come, I look at this particular flower, and I'm going to go, sorry, I'm going to turn this. Could you turn those switch on? Yeah, yeah, turn both of them. You can actually, in this particular image, if you got up really close, you could actually see the veining in the petals. You know, God distributing his love through the, uh, the veins and the petals, no spot on this particular flower is ever left out, uh, left without the love of God, nourishing it. And each one of those pe uh, petals testify of God's love. Some of the images that I have taken are, that was actually from, uh, I believe, Jamaica, uh, I'm pretty sure. This one is <clears throat> from the far away distance of my front door. These are columbine flowers. And this uh, has the bud, the early flower, the <clears throat> next stage, and then the uh, later flower. All of the stages of uh, Christian growth. All of these point to God's love and the Christian experience. <clears throat> this uh, particular, this one here is from Tobago. And <clears throat> this one, again, is just a beautiful white star flower. And so in every line of useful labor and every occasion, uh, association of life, he desires us to find a lesson of divine truth. Then our daily toil will no longer absorb our attention 
and lead us to forget God. Imagine that, forgetting God in the middle of the day. It will continually remind us of our creator and redeemer. So what I would like to do is be able to show you how to, or actually my, I, I want my son uh, who is here also, and we have 10 minutes to show you how to go ahead and actually make one of these images. So he's gonna talk about how to set up your camera first, and then uh, we'll go uh, through how to quickly make uh, one of these images. <laughs> so uh, Rich is my son. He's gone to Andrews University. He's gotten a degree in journalism. He's also gotten a degree in photography. Very, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> so, we have actually 10 more minutes. We have. I'm sorry, 20 minutes. Okay, wonderful. Um, I'll still talk very quickly. Um, and I, may, uh, I understand that, um, I'm not sure how many of you are very familiar with photography on your own. I'm sure everybody, you take out your, your camera, uh, out your cell phone, you probably have a camera on that. But um, this is actually his setup, um, what he ends up taking up his, his pictures with. Uh, you'll see, obviously, you have your lens, your body. Very important aspect is to have a tripod, especially if you're deciding to do HDR images, the high dynamic range images because what we're trying to do is we're trying to minimize motion shake. We're trying to take the exact same image, but in uh, different exposures. So that we can create that, that very interesting, very useful um, difference between our highlights and our shadows. Uh, the biggest thing, uh, key tips to remember again are the tripod. Um, again, to help minimize the camera shake, you'll want to take a, uh, a shutter release with you and that will keep it from moving around. Um, finally, uh, several other things to, points to remember. Um, a color corrected monitor. Um, again, if you want to get very, very serious into this, purchasing um, Adobe Photoshop. Um, other, uh, other great alternatives to Photoshop are Lightroom, uh, also an Adobe product, but it's at $200 as opposed to $2,000. And for um, Aperture, which is another Apple pro program. Um, I don't know PC programs. Um, I don't use a PC, sorry. <laughs> but um, again, uh, great things to remember. What, uh, what you do uh, initially then is uh, you open up Bridge, which comes with, um, with Photoshop as part, part of a package deal with uh, Creative Suite. And you make sure to select your images. So um, it looks like we are in CS6. Um, it's not quite the most recent one, but it's, it's still fairly similar. Um, we have all of our images here, and we've made sure to select them all. And then what we do is we actually go up to the Tools menu, and we go down into our Photoshop, and we, we go into Merge HDR Pro. Um, there's, there's plenty of plugins on there um, in various degrees of, of expense. Again, uh, you can get very serious into this, um, um, or you can just keep it on that basic level. But again, you know, the, the best thing to do is to um, invest, invest, invest. Obviously, you have your own practices and you invest a lot in, in that. And so why not invest in uh, the best that you can here? Now, once you have selected all your images and done, uh, gotten into this dialog box, uh, you'll see uh, this, this menu actually just come up. And uh, there's plenty of different presets that you can go through. Um, but I like to fiddle. Um, a former professor of mine at Andrews, he, was, he's, he kept on saying that Photoshop is like um, when you go to the carnival and you have all these different rides and you have the, that 
that man at the front, and he's, he's sitting on, on the stool, and he says, what kind of ride do you want to go on? That's really what Photoshop is all about. And so um, it really pays to fiddle. So uh, we have all of our different things here. We have our presets, obviously, right here that you can go through. And again, if you're feeling um, not like fiddling, please feel free to use presets a few times. But uh, once you become more comfortable with it, um, just pursue the more custom aspects of it. Um, one of the great things that you'll want to remember is to, in, in our mode, we want to get the best possible um, aspect that we can. Um, and so uh, with, with our mode, we want, uh, want, we want to make sure to uh, select either 16-bit or 32-bit. Um, you can see right here, 16-bit. Um, 32-bit um, is double the size, so if you don't have very much space uh, on your hard drive, then please just use the 16-bit. Again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create the best possible image with the final image with the, the 5 to 15 to 100 images that you take for your HDR. Um, with our edge glow, um, just working through here, this really quick, we have our edge glow, and you can see there's uh, quite a difference. You see the highlights are now kind of blown out. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create that, that great great detail that you can you can just basically see and um, about 50 is where we, we were wanting to go with this um, because and then with our strength again you'll see the strength of the blending between the edge and the background so about 1.7 is is where we want to go with that perfect and then with our gamma that's that's what um, again, that's showing the brightness. We're wanting to see the different ideas of brightness. And with this, we want to be at about 1.6 or so. One point. And with exposure, again, double checking to see. About 1.5 is, is where we were thinking. Uh, 0 0.5, 0 0.15. That's looking good. Right there. Right there. Perfect. And detail again, it starts off at 50. And you can obviously see the, the separation there. Again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to draw the eye between between our highlights and our dark, dark spaces. Um, and then don't get too concerned with the advanced. Uh, again, you know, don't get too too caught up with with the fact that it is it is advanced. Again, get to that point where you feel comfortable with fiddling. Uh, the biggest thing that we're looking for is if you want to do the shadow again, we're looking for that detail in the shadows. You can see right in this area, and then in the top or right top right and lower left. Uh, highlights again, looking just at the just at the flower petals. You'll see they're blown out now. And once we get to that point where we're really happy with it. Perfect. Vibrance, let's pump the greens just a bit. Awesome. About 50 or so, that's great. Saturation again, it works with the colors. We're happy with that. And let's go ahead and hit OK. That was the first step. Again, don't get too, um, 
don't get too caught up with, with the fact that there, uh, it takes a lot. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create that base layer, uh, that base photo that we can then move through and then uh, enhance in the final image. Who here uh, likes to take pictures though? Great. Um, there will be handouts um, via, uh, via the, the download um, from both um, what he was talking about as well as a full tutorial on how to go through this. If none of this has been making sense, there will be a tutorial. So once, once we have our base layer, uh, you'll see it right here. Uh, the first thing that I like to do is I like to crop the image. And uh, you can see here that he's just going through and double checking, making sure that it looks good for him. And yeah, we like our flower about in the center. So let's hit enter and crop. And then uh, what I like to do, my sec the second thing that I like to do is I like to actually take, create a second layer and actually pump the reds. Um, with all of our pictures uh, these days, there's an R, there's a red channel, there's a green channel, and there's a blue channel. And so red channel has the most information, and so if you're, you're putting an additional red layer on there, you're, you're creating even more information. At least that's the thought. So And then what, what you want to do is once you place your red layer, then you know, we take our blending mode and we change that to a soft light. I like the feeling of soft light. I also like the feeling of having a, a picture that's all lined up and nice. But, you know, you guys can get the, you, uh, we're, we're going for a 3D effect with this particular image. Just kidding. But that's, uh, that's usually how it goes. So once, take it off, Rob. Push V. Select all. And you can see that just with, with copying, even not necessarily just the, the red layer, but the entire image, just by putting, putting a second layer of the exact same image on and changing the blending mode to soft light, you get just that much of a difference. If we just turn on and off that uh, layer that you put on just now with the eye, you know, it looks pretty done there, there right? But wait, there's more. <laughs> if, if we go, uh, if we create a dodge and burn layer to again, force that, force your, um, your viewer, whoever's going to be looking at these pictures, whoever you're going to give these pictures to, if, uh, to force their, their focus, um, most people's eye go more towards brightness. And so since we're trying to bump up this wonderful, beautiful flower, let's brighten up that, that, those petals and let's darken everything else uh, down around it. So we've created that, that, uh, a new layer and we, we're going to fill it with gray. Okay, um, go to the black and white. And uh, with gray, uh, I don't know why the hex color is 80, 80, 80, but it is. And so we change that to 80, 80, 80, we hit okay. Um, on 
the max, you push um, alt and delete. And we have a gray layer here. Wonderful. What's the deal with the gray layer? We use the gray layer as a screen. Um, so just like any other screen, you put a screen on, you can paint on it, right? That's exactly what we're doing here. We, we change it to gray, and we change the blending mode to overlay. And then here's where the magic happens. We, we turn, change our tool to brush, and we make sure that our flow is very, very small. It's at 4% right now, which is great. Anything over 10, we, you start to see a very notice market difference when we start to work with, with the brush tool. And if we push the D button, then we can then see black here and white there. And just by adding just a touch of black, we can see just by here and then doing a little bit down in here, a little bit on the leaf, and then a little bit in the upper left-hand corner. And you'll notice that our mask, our actual layer, has changed. And so if we just turn our layer on and off using the, the button here, Well, that doesn't make any sense. Let's, let's try just doing the background and pushing the alt here then also. Pushing the alt. So, one more time, this is what we brought in. Push it through. Just with two additional layers, we've created that additional focus. Um, some of the images that, that he's been working on recently that he actually just took uh, within the last three weeks are actually up here if you, want, if you do want to take a look at them after the, after the presentation. But who here thinks that they could probably do this now? Like halfway, like five, <laughs> five out of ten. Five out of, like if, if one to ten, you could probably do it about half the time. Um, by, by the time that you get these tutorials, we'll make sure that you can do it ten out of ten. Uh, if you do have any other additional questions about digital x-rays, um, his workflow, um, the, uh, other witnessing tools, and, and that sort of thing that, uh, that he has used, please feel free to ask now. We have about 10 minutes of questions and answers. Questions, comments? Yes, sir. It seemed I saw the one assistant holding the film in the patient's mouth while you were using the nomad. Yeah, um, in that particular situation with the Nomad, we're not really using a lot of radiation. And um, they've actually tested it. Uh, they're not using a lead apron because of the amount of uh, radiation. It, it's not good uh, safe, uh, practice necessarily and over probably a 20-year period, her uh, finger would probably fall off. But um, in that particular situation, uh, we uh, went ahead and uh, just held it in the mouth. And I think she was actually uh, positioning it, and I think she might have been uh, using a stamp array in order to be able to do that. Yeah. Good.
Any, any other questions or comments? Well, I do want to, I do appreciate you all for your time. If you do want to take images like this or have taken images like this but want them to look even better, feel free to contact myself or Kim. Uh, he's in your programs. And um, I'd be more than help, willing to walk you through uh, making some great images on your, even your cell phone cameras. So thank you again so much for your time. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.